This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 516 This episode was pre-recorded. Can the comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Let's all take our seats. It's Crisis 301. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's the more you know. This is how I got my wife to read comics. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Or you can subscribe via iTunes and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Now we are taping this in advance, covering what became an annual DC tradition post-Crisis on Infinite Earths, across-the-line crossovers. Some actually had long-term impacts, while others, like this one, did not. Millennium was a 1988 crossover involving an eponymous weekly eight-issue miniseries with tie-ins to other DC titles, plus a new ongoing series called The New Guardians. Millennium, written by Steve Englehart, layouts by Joe Statton, finishes by Ian Gibson, lettering by Bob Lappin, colors by Carl Gafford, and edited by Andy Helfer. We begin with an ordinary day in the DCU of 1988. The JLI is boa political leaders are meeting, people are born, living their lives, while the Manhunters meet in secret. The Manhunters are a race of robots originally created by the Guardians of the Universe as a predecessor of the Green Lantern Corps before they turned on their masters. Wait, a race of robots didn't end up well? Wait a minute. We are supposed to know these people? They are side characters in DC titles of the time. One we know very well, Lana Lang. The others I couldn't pick up out of a lineup. They meet with the Grand Master, who has goofy armor and a Fu Manchu stash. He explains the plan. The Manhunters have learned the secret identities of all the heroes, and they've set up sleeper agents to get in good with those heroes so they can be destroyed. Someone watches from a skylight. It's Tom Kalmaku, Hal Jordan's former test pilot mechanic, who had the unfortunate nickname Pie Face. You don't have to go back to the Golden Age to find racist stereotypes. A group of robots discovers him and beats the crap out of him. More day in the life of the DCU panels. Then we cut to the Green Lantern Citadel in California, where Hal, John, Katmatui, Aresia, and Kilowog are playing in the pool. There's a bright light, and Guardian Heropo Hondo Hu and Zamoro Nanda Safir arrive. Zamorans are the female part of the race that the Guardians evolved from, both of which had left the universe to birth new immortals. They explained that there are people on Earth that need protection and that the Manhunters may be involved. Back to those Manhunters who left a broken Tom Melmaku on the tarmac at LAX to be killed by a landing 747. This seems unnecessarily complicated. Tom manages to crawl out of the way. Cut to the Andes. 
where Harbinger sends an archive of all her experiences during Crisis on Infinite Earths in a spaceship into orbit. Back to California and the GL Citadel, where a group of heroes is being assembled from the JLI. Mr. Miracle, Oberon, Booster Gold, Black Canary, Captain Atom, Martian Manhunter, Rocket Red, Batman, Guy Gardner, Blue Beetle, from the Outsiders, Halo, Katana, Looker, Geoforce, Black Lightning, and Metamorpho, from Infinity Incorporated, Jade, Skyman, Mr. Bones, Wildcat 2, and Obsidian, Plus non-affiliated heroes, Superman, Flash, Green Arrow, Hawkman and Hawkgirl, and Firestorm, and the aforementioned GLs. The Guardian and the Zamoran explain how they are getting busy when they realize the new Immortals, a.k.a. the new Guardians, would come from Earth. Various heroes sound off, either offering their help or peeve their worlds weren't chosen. Flash asks why the Teen Titans are missing, and they reply that one of them is one of the ten. Terra, Geoforce, but my sister is dead. The Immortals are surprised by this, and they decide they need to consult first, basically telling the heroes, uh, don't call us, we'll call you. Superman gives a pet talk that they are the protectors of Earth and shouldn't wait to stop the Manhunters. There's a rousing cheer, and they are off, presumably to their own tie-in issue, including Wonder Woman, who I never saw in the group shots. Each of them are greeted by their friends, all of which are sleeper agents, who tell them to pull out the fight or the Manhunters will destroy them. Issue 2 begins with Clark Kent being accosted by Agent Lana Lang, who tells him to stay out of it, plus write stories to discredit the whole thing on, or every news organization will be told his secret identity. Cut to the Immortals at Ayers Rock in the Australian Outback to meet Betty Clawman, an Aborigine who foresaw their coming in Dreamtime, the one from Game and Sandman, which is quite convenient that he, she saw this. Then it's off to Japan and businessman Takeo Yakata, who is going to take more convincing. Meanwhile, Batman talks to Jim Gordon, who turns out to be an agent. He beans Bruce with his gun and falls out a window. Off to China, where the Immortals are met by Harbinger, who conveniently is looking for a new gig and offers her services to them. They rebuff her, explaining that by sending her archives into space, she kicked this whole thing off. That's where the Manhunters got all their intel. She flies off, promising to rectify it, and the Zamoran compliments the Guardian on how he handled that. They move on to Shanghai, offering a gig to Zhang Po, a young woman who explains that she must discuss it with her parent and the government. On to Russia, where Nikolai Latikov is called in. He thinks this is a test of loyalty, and we'll talk to the government about it. Meanwhile, Blue Beetle confronts a guy blackmailing him who says he has no idea what he's talking about. He then runs into villain Overthrow, who turns out to be the agent. Meanwhile, in fascist Britain, guess we know what Steve Englehart's politics are about, Jamaican immigrant Celia Windward, I assume she's a Jamaican from all the mon in her speech, is offered a spot to enter the future. She thinks there is no future and rejects them. Off to Iran, where Salima Baranazar is offered a spot, but she considers them blasphemers. The Samoran gives her a speech about women's equality, then they leave. We meet two more manhunters in hiding in Akron, Ohio. That's where I'd hide if I was a robot. Dan Richards and Laurel Kent, who pass by each other, not knowing each other on a busy street. Now we're in South Africa, where racist white guy Jan Willem Kroof is offered a spot. He's happy to come so he can show the world that the white man should be in charge. 
off to Peru, where Gregorio de la Vega, an over-the-top gay man, he assumes they are apparitions and asks for another drink at the bar. Back to the jail citadel, where Tom Malmach wakes up in bed after the Corps found him and nursed him back to health via alien tech. The Immortals then drop in, reporting they have talked to eight of the ten. They are then brought up to date on the Manhunter attacks and offer a gig to one of them, Tom Malmaku. Boy, that was convenient. He balks, saying he has a wife and kids. Cut to Gotham and Arkham Asylum with cameos by Joker and Psycho Pirate before going to the Floronic Man, who says he was just visited and offered a new position. He plans to use the Immortals to take over the world. Issue 3 begins at a Manhunter soiree where they are told that Salima Baranazar fell to the mob when Blue Beetle failed to save her. Presumably, in his tie-in, there's a lot of no man escapes the Manhunters. Cut to newswoman Tawny Young, who's offered a choice on air roll if she discredits the immortals crisscrossing the planet. Cut to Nikolai, who's being tortured for what he knows about the immortals, then is shot in the head. Back to the jail citadel, where Tom's family has been moved. Guess a lot happened in those tie-ins, and they learn of Salima and Nikolai's deaths. When Tom asks if the job can be done by less than 10, the immortals tell him, we allowed for attrition. Boy, that's a great way to sell this gig. John brings out a TV to show them Reagan downplaying the UFO sightings, so Ronnie got fooled just like in Legends. We see a quick shot of who might be Nancy Reagan smiling. Is she an agent? Cut to Japan and the Outsiders, Midas Metamorpho, who apparently died in one of those uh, tie-in issues. They came to pick up Yakata, only to fight some manhunters. Infinity Incorporated picks up Clawman. The JLI reassures a mob in Washington that everything's under control. Booster overhears General Ealing, an agent assigned to Captain Adam, and gives him a, a ride and a warning. Turns out Captain Adam is spying on the JLI for the government, and all the agent has to do is copy the reports for his masters. Ealing runs into Amanda Waller just so she can explain why the Suicide Squad isn't involved. Cut to Arkham and a woman in the Floronic Man's cell. She breaks him out. She's with the Manhunters. Cut to the UK, where Mr. Miracle, Batman, and Guy are there to persuade Celia, who considers them to be spooky. They are attacked by agents on the street, and she agrees to go with them. Cut to South Africa and Wonder Woman to pick up Krof, who insults her, but goes with her anyway. Cut to Peru, where a drunken Gregorio is planning to kill himself by jumping off a pier. I despise myself. Keep in mind that, while he's clearly gay, they never actually say he is. Flash catches him just in time. Cut to China, where the Green Lanterns pick up Zong after the government decides that China must be involved. An agent attacks and Katma Tui stops him. Cut to the Manhunter's home world and Harbinger, who splits into 20 forms and attacks them but is defeated and locked up. Harbinger isn't too smart. Back to Cali, where six of the Chosen have now met. Hey, where's Tom? Issue number four begins back at the Citadel with Floranic Man and Tom now in place with the others. Gregorio continues to talk like a character from La Caja Fole. Crove continues to be racist. Batman keeps thinking, I don't like it, and realizes he has a Manhunter connection. He takes a jet to the bayou where the Manhunters have a base. Firestorm has been taken over while Booster Gold is being blackmailed. When you come right down to it, I'm not even from this century, so I don't really have to care about it. Captain Adam is ordered to stop Firestorm. Back at the Citadel, the Chosen are given a last chance to back out, but none of the eight do so. 
Cut to the Suicide Squad, one of whom is Mark Shaw, a.k.a. the Privateer, a.k.a. a former Manhunter, who are given a mission to take out the Manhunter base. They balk, of course, since a Manhunter is in their group, but are forced to do the deed. Batman arrives to see Mark Shaw, the, that's his former Manhunter connection, but is told he was released. Cut to New York City and Madame Xanadu, who has a customer asking for his fortune to be read. He clocks her and steals the Manhunter mask she had. Her friend Jim Corrigan stops by and fights the Manhunters before the Spectre arrives. I guess the Spectre and Jim Corrigan were separate at this point. A quick seance later, and they are off to the bayou. Back to Harbinger, who is in an energy-stealing apparatus. She manages to escape, only to be caught again. We do see a weird Green Lantern hiding in a corner. A quick cut back to Floronic Man, who turns out to be working with the Manhunters, then back to Batman in a bayou boat, who's about to run into the Suicide Squad, Captain, Adam, and the Spectre in their tie-in issues. Issue 5 begins with the Immortals giving the Chosen their lessons. They will be able to connect the natural and supernatural, and the universe is a logical thing. Superman gives some backstory about learning about multiple sleeper agents going back to Smallville. Batman and Captain Adam are cheered for having taken out the Manhunter Temple, rescuing some hostages, and retrieving Firestorm. The heroes take this opportunity to celebrate while the Guardians get into numerology. Three is inherently limited. Cut to the Gipper, who is forced to change his stance post-battle. Well, some of you have misrepresented my position. Back to the Zamoran, talking about evolution and the number four. Oh, and five knows mortality? Hmm. The Outsiders leave after Looker gets a telepathic summons. More chatter from the heroes. This really seems like story filler. Then Wonder Woman is zapped out, maybe back to her own book. Meanwhile, Six is in the middle. Aquaman and Aqualad arrive. There's a new Manhunter threat in the form of a Manhunter ship they found in the sea. Could a new fleet be coming? Oh, and Seven lives in the best of all possible worlds. The heroes decide a force needs to be sent to the Manhunter homeworld, so it's time to pick a team. Eight lives in the world it really is. Back to Harbinger, who meets a dead Green Lantern being animated by the ring after they fought a Sinestro battle involving a living galaxy. In any case, they are caught yet again. Nine finds equilibrium. Hal, John, Katmatui, Aresia, Martian Manhunter, Firestorm, Superman, the Hawks, Captain Atom, and Batman are about to leave when Dr. Fate arrives to transport them all. Ten is life in the long run. And if you understood any of this, you're a better man than I am, Gungadin. Issue six begins with a battle in space versus a huge Manhunter robot. The heroes barely escape the battle. Again, a bunch of stuff must have happened in the tie-in issues. Back to the Immortals, who watch the Chosen all in a transcendental state while their minds absorb what is needed. Batman is brooding, and Wonder Woman, just returning from her issue, tries to talk to him. His reply, I don't want to hear it. His Outsiders team was apparently wiped out, and he's ready to go after the traitor, Booster Gold. He and Guy track him down, but are beaten by Booster. Back to the Chosen, now waking up. Tom reunites with his family. Gregorio and Betty have a better understanding of the world, as does Crop, and he doesn't like it. I'm the senior man present, and I demand that you stop this right now. He stomps away, but not before John gives him a green punch. Floronic Man sneaks away in the hubbub to check in with his Manhunter contact. Unfortunately for them, his groovy trip has turned him against the Manhunters. The Manhunter contact is taken inside, and Batman grills him. 
It's not open to a debate. You're going to tell us where the other managers are, or I'm going to kill you. Blue Beetle and Kilowog come in. The spaceship, they found, was designed against heat, not the cold of space. That means the Manhunters are hiding out in the center of the Earth. Issue 7 begins with the team in space. Dr. Fate explains he's new at a job and doesn't know how to get them back to Earth. Harbinger insists there is still danger on Earth transporting herself back. The rest hop a GL sphere and start back at top speed. Cut to another sphere, one in the water, with a whole team inside on their way to the center of the Earth. Batman, Wonder Woman, Guy Gardner, Mr. Bones, Wildcat 2, Flash, Nuclon, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Jon Stewart, Our Man, Obsidian, Jade, Skyman, Kilowog, Brainwave 2, Mr. Miracle, Blue Beetle, and Aquaman and Aqualad. Batman explains to them all that they are fighting a cult. Stopping them down there won't end the threat, but will cripple them for a long time. They fly into a volcano and end up in a pocket of air inside the Earth. Harbinger appears, saying she had to be there to help them and that she would evolve because of it. Back to the Chosen, who are in some sort of dance class. The Immortals are very pleased with their progress. Tom's wife can't handle this, saying she married a normal man. You're not him. Back to our subterranean heroes who have broken in and listen in to the Manhunter's plans. Of course, there's a doomsday device involved that must be guarded at all costs. This is the hero's cue to attack. Wonder Woman fights a Manhunter agent in the form of the god Pan, finally cutting him in two with her lasso. Flash, angry that his father was an agent, plows through the robots. Harbinger splits in multiple forms and does the same. Jon Stewart rips up the escape vehicles. The Manhunters are about to set off the Doomsday device when who stops them but Booster Gold? He's now turned on them, but the others don't believe that this was his plan all along. The space-based team arrive just in time to miss the battle, and the Immortals call them back to the Citadel. The Immortals are now worn and haggard since they transferred their powers into the Chosen. They now get a final Roomspringa to see the world for the last time. Booster takes this opportunity to snag Zhang. I'm going to show her just how rotten this world really is. Issue 8 begins with everyone standing before the ex-immortals along with the Chosen. There's a bunch of talk about evolution and growth. Jiang is called up, they zap her, and she becomes Gloss. She wears a skimpy bathing suit and can control Feng Shui, the magical forces of Earth. Takeo gets the treatment next and becomes Ram, a cyber being who can access all technology. Gregorio becomes Extrano, a witch with the power of strangeness. Betty becomes a sort of dream being embodied through Extrano. Celia becomes Jet, again with a skimpy outfit, who can fly and create force fields. Floronic Man refuses their gift, saying he's great as he is. Tom also refuses, deciding he wants to stay with his family as a normal man. Hal tells him he's okay with his decision. They decide to give him a latent power that he can call upon later if and when he wishes. Harbinger is then asked to join, but she decides to go her own way. So, after all the numerology stuff and the importance of ten... We wind up with a team of six. Back in South Africa, Croft appears to go to war. Meanwhile, the Immortals, having given away all their power, keel over and die, having completed their great task. The heroes all wave goodbye, leaving the new Guardians to their new lives and new book. This whole miniseries seemed like a long-winded excuse to create a bunch of new heroes. 
Well, we kept mentioning those tie-ins, and there were a lot of them. It's clear that, in this case, you really needed to read them to know fully what was going on. Action Comics number 596, Adventures of Superman 436 and 437, Batman 415, Blue Beetle Volume 6, 20 and 21, Booster Gold 24 and 25, Captain Atom Volume 2, number 11, Detective Comics number 582, Firestorm the Nuclear Man Volume 2, 67 and 68, Flash Volume 2, number 8 and 9, Green Lantern Corps 220 and 221, Infinity Inc. 46 and 47, JLI number 9 and 10, Legion of Superheroes Volume 3, 42 and 43, The Outsiders numbers 27 and 28, Secret Origins Volume 2, 22 and 23, The Spectre Volume 2, 10 and 11, Suicide Squad number 9, Superman Volume 2, 13 and 14, Teen Titans Spotlight 18 and 19, Wonder Woman Volume 2, 12 and 13, Young All-Stars 8 and 9, Swamp Thing, Volume 2, 65 to 66, an unofficial tie-in with the Millennium-related story of the Floronic Man. There's also New Guardians, the ongoing series that came out of all this, also written by Steve Englehart, later taken over by Carrie Bates. It ran for all of 12 issues. Harbinger and Tom would later get involved, the latter gaining the ability to bring out the best in people. The book involves their battles with not only Kruff, but also a vampiric being named Hemoglobin who gives Jet AIDS. Jet is later killed in battle. Snowflame, who gets his power from, wait for it, cocaine. The Rocket Red Brigade, an alien invasion, which we will cover in the next class. There's also a lot of lessons learned that makes this whole series seem like an ABC after-school special. Englehart, as mentioned before, clearly had a political leaning in this work, as well as a New Age hippy-dippy thing going on. In any case, the New Guardians would quickly be forgotten. In our next class, we're being invaded! Sorry, no who's on the cover this week, because we are taping in advance. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.